Hello, and welcome to the Thrive in Change podcast. I'm Shannon LaBruyere. Hello, everybody. It's me, Shannon LaBruyere. I am live and loving it tonight. It is Sunday Night Live where we equip ourselves to thrive in change. And I am delighted to join you on your journey in learning how to sink your roots deep so they can be nourished no matter what kind of change comes your way so that when it's time for you to bloom, you're ready to go. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I'd love for you to pop in. Oh, hi, Kelly. Glad you're here. You're the first one to comment. I love seeing that. Give me a hi or a, a heads up. Let me know you're here watching. I'd love to know who's who's joining with us. Uh, it's exciting. It's exciting for me to be able to know that you're here. And it's exciting for each other to know that there are other people who who are like-minded, who believe what we believe about how important it is for us to invest in ourselves and take the time to be introspective and reflective and also how important it is for us to learn the new things that we can do to make ourselves stretch and grow. So it's awesome. Hi, Missy. I'm glad you're here. Tammy, welcome. Oh, Lynn. Awesome. I'm so glad you're here. Yay. All right. Well, first up, I'm going to share with you our sponsor tonight, and you're just in time for you coffee drinkers. If you love delicious coffee, I cannot stress enough how delicious Thumb Roast Coffee is. It is my favorite, and if you want to give it a try or maybe get on their monthly auto delivery, if you're a, a true coffee fan, you can actually go to thumbroastcoffee.com and have it ships to you on a regular basis so you never run out and you get to use the code THRIVE, T-H-R-I-V-E, to get 15% off. And we thank Thumb Rose Coffee for sponsoring Sunday Night Live. Uh, it's the coffee I drink and I'm happy to be able to encourage you to give it a try. You will not be sorry. All right, tonight our hashtag for the THRIVE principle that we're going to talk about is respect the now. Hashtag respect the now. What we're talking about tonight really is designed to help us focus on how far we've come. Sometimes we forget where we're at right now, but we keep using words that keep us locked into the thing that we've been working hard to grow out of, right? So we're going to talk about how we can respect the now respect what is, new mindsets, new choices, new growth that we experience. And I'm going to give you a couple of phrases that you can use to do that. All right. Are we ready to roll? Oh, hi, Pam. I'm glad you're here. And oh, Mary Edwards, we've missed you live. So I'm glad you're able to jump on. And lots of people giving some love to Thumb Roast Coffee. So take their word for it. It's great. All right. So I, I sort of titled this one, There is No Such Thing as Just Words. One of my favorite proverbs says this. It says, the power of life and death is in our tongue. It's in the words we say. 
You've heard that. You've heard that phrase, sticks and stones will break our bones, but names will never hurt me. How many of you know that's a lie? If you've ever been called a name by a bully on the school playground, you know that's a lie. If you've ever been called lazy by a boss who didn't like you when you were 45 years old, words have power and they hurt. And the words we speak are the same. We have power to impact ourselves. We have power through what we say to change how we think. And in fact, if we don't speak different words, our thinking will be slow to change. Our less than conscious mind, which goes, oh my gosh, it's millions. It processes millions of pieces of information every second. It believes what it hears. It believes what it hears. And unless you consciously recognize that and choose to speak other words, you just keep feeding yourself the same negative stuff. So this isn't just about negative self-talk, although it falls under this category, uh, but it's absolutely critical for us to understand that the words we speak matter. It matters to the people we speak them to, but it also matters when we speak to ourselves. And Sammy, hi, I'm glad you jumped on just in the nick of time. All right, there's lots of places we can go with this idea of uh, there's no such thing as just words, but I'm going to focus on just a couple of areas that I've recently actually been dealing with myself and recognized, hold on, what's going on there? Okay, perfect. Um, and I've recognized that what, that I needed to make some changes so that I could continue my growth. I was actually disrupting my own growth because of words that I use that didn't apply anymore. So I'm going to help you to learn from what I've learned. And we're going to go on this journey together. We are going to start, start speaking words of life that are going to empower us to get better, not lock us in the way we used to be. All right. So take a trip back with me. I was in fourth grade, about 10 years old, and I'm at the kitchen table and my dad is helping me with my long division. Now I was a smart cookie and I learned to read when I was four years old and I was a fluent reader. And as you can imagine, I was also a pretty good talker, uh, maybe too much actually, but I never thought so, but others, others did. Uh, I was, I was really verbal. I was really articulate, even as just a, a, a toddler all that stuff. So I, so I knew I was good and I had, I had a lot of confidence in that area, uh, but nobody had ever labeled anything math for me. So I didn't know anything about math. I learned numbers and then we learned two plus two is four and I did okay with that, but I didn't love it. And then I started fourth grade and we entered this phase where we we're talking about long division and um, folks, I didn't get it. I, I didn't get it. And it was even more difficult for me to get it. And some of you may have had similar experiences. It was even more difficult for me to get it because my dad was the one who was trying to help me. And he was not the most patient. And he may not have been great at explaining it either. As I look back, all I can remember is this, sitting at the kitchen table with my stomach in knots, crying tears, and having having the, the eraser 
was almost gone on my pencil and it was smearing the paper because I was making mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. And so this is what I started saying. I'm bad at math. Anybody else bad at math? I'm bad at math. Now, I was 10 years old. I'd had exactly like one serious math class that I could remember it was about long division and I didn't get it in 15 minutes. And I started saying as if it were gospel truth, I'm bad at math. So I just kept making excuses for not getting it. I didn't even try because why, why should I try? I'm bad at math. Have you ever given up on something without even really knowing if you could do it or not? If you have, drop it in the comments. What have you or what have you in the past given up on and said, I just, I just can't. Because at some age, at some point, you decide, yep, that's just not for me. Maybe it was, you know what? I can't lose weight. Maybe it was, you know what? I'm not a public speaker. Yeah, I can't speak in public. I always get nervous. Because the first time you tried it, you got nervous. Because the first time you gave it a shot, you failed like every normal person. But that doesn't matter when we start picking out those words. I'm not good at fill in the blank. I'm not good at math. And so that was the excuse I used for not trying. The excuse I used for getting bad grades and grades aren't anything. I mean, grades are everything, but that was one of the ways we measured if somebody was successful at something and I just didn't worry about it anymore because I gave myself a free pass. I was bad at math. It was more challenging for me you might have experienced this. And Mary, oh, Mary, I love your honesty here. Understanding computers. That is such a great example. It could be very easy, Mary, for you to say, I, you know what, I just don't understand computers. I don't understand how this Facebook thing works. I don't know what social media is. And you could wall yourself off from so much wonderful interaction, but instead you've chosen to lean in, said, you know what? I thought I couldn't understand this, but it's, I could figure it out. Well done. That's exactly what we're talking about. This idea that we label ourselves and say, I can't understand it. And then sometimes we miss out because we don't give ourselves room to do better. And that's exactly what I did with math. And so I went into junior high and I took algebra and you know what? I passed algebra and, and I got B's in algebra and sometimes C's. I didn't love that, folks. I was like perfectionist. I want A's. Uh, so instead of looking at me going into a math class and doing an adequate job and understanding the concepts enough to pass tests and get a B, you know what I said? Must be the teacher. She's going easy on me. I was so invested, and I want you to hear this because we do this as adults. I was so invested in the label that I had put on myself that I am bad at math, that when evidence started showing up that I actually might be kind of good at math, I ignored it. I ignored it. Uh, that falls under the category of cognitive dissonance. If if information comes to us that does not agree and match what we've already decided is true, it is very easy for us 
to discard it. We have to be intentional about saying, hey, wait a minute, that that doesn't seem to fit. But we have to be people who are wanting to thrive and change to be able to catch that kind of an assumption when it hits us. And sometimes we don't notice it at all. I certainly didn't. All I did was make excuse after excuse after excuse for why I wasn't flunking algebra. When in reality, I was passing it because I was actually not bad at math. I was good at math, but it didn't fit. And so I kept saying it. I'm not good at math. I'm not good at math. So now I get into high school and my first high school math class was geometry. And I knocked that class out of the park. I got straight A's. I couldn't wait to go. I loved the homework. I know that sounds crazy to some of you, but I'm telling you, I loved geometry. I was excellent at geometry. And instead of acknowledging, oh, look, I am good at math. This is what I said. Oh, geometry is not math. I said that until I was 40 years old. Oh, yeah, but geometry is not math. Some of you are teachers in this audience, I know. Um, is geometry math? Can I get a thumbs up? Geometry math? Because I'm thinking it is math. Me having labeled myself as bad at math prevented me from even acknowledging what is universally understood as true. Geometry is math. I felt like there must be some mistake because I can't be good at math. So therefore geometry isn't math ignored all of the um, categories, you know, as you're, you're signing up for classes, these are all come under the math department. Nope, not for me. I was so committed to being bad at math because I'd made my assumption and given it the label. So I remained bad at math for years, bad at math. I was bad at math. Didn't matter what anybody asked me. I'd say, oh, I'll, you know, I can write like crazy, but I'm bad at math. Until I was probably in my late 30s, early 40s. And I started on this growth journey where I started realizing, wait a second, I'm, I need to, I need to not be stuck with the mind of a 10-year-old about whether I can do math or not. I can learn things. If, I, if I've got a brain that can understand how to read and write, I've got a brain that can understand how to do math. So I started taking, making a list of all the math that I did on a regular basis. And this is what I discovered. I did fractions all the time with sewing because I did a lot of sewing. So I used a lot of fractions and I did a lot of measuring and I measured in the American style. Is that called imperial? I don't remember. But anyway, inches, I could do inches and um, quarter inches and half inches. And I could do the metric. I could add and subtract them. I could divide them. I could figure out how much area I was doing math. I knew how to do percentages when I was shopping and they were having a big sale. How much how much would that cost me if it's 70% off, which was always awesome. Love 70% off. By the way, my hint there is just to multiply whatever the number is by three and then you're fine because it, it's you get sev you get 70% off, but you're actually only paying 30% of the price. So if you multiply it by three, 
you know, anyway, it's a helpful hint. I didn't say I was great as a math teacher, <laughs> but I am, I am good at math. I knew how to do logic, all kinds of stuff. This is what I now say. And this is what I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. This is not a small thing. In fact, if you would go ahead and type it in the comments. I used to be, I used to be, I used to be bad at math. And I was because I didn't give myself half a chance. I didn't even try to learn it. I used to be nervous to speak in public. I used to be reluctant to enforce boundaries. I used to be fill in the blank. And you don't even have to fill in the blank. Just write, I used to be. There you go. Ah, learned helplessness. Kelly's given it a label. Yes, I've, I've learned that I can't and therefore I will not even try. Absolutely. One of the solutions in our words that are powerful, that bring life or death, one of the phrases that we can use is I used to be acknowledging that we've grown. I used to be fill in the blank. What did you used to be? Yeah, Pam's got it. I used to be. I used to be. This is the thing. If we're not intentional about acknowledging that it's no longer the case, we'll we'll stay that way. We'll stay that way. That's why I'm glad to be here to let you know you are probably a lot better at a lot of things than you used to be. And you're not giving yourself credit for it. I used to be reluctant to. I used to be nervous to go into a job interview. I used to be afraid to apply. Right. And we just tell ourselves, I hate it. There's another phrase that we use so often. I hate fill in the blank. Well, if you hate Oh, <laughs> if you hate Brussels sprouts, you know, it's not the end of the world. But if you hate interacting with people and you also want to have some impact in the world, maybe I hate interacting with people isn't quite the right phrase, right? I used to be. I used to hate. I used to do, but I don't anymore. When we start saying I used to. We give ourselves permission to leave it behind. All right. So let's see. Oh, I love this. We've got a, a few good ones here. Carol said, I used to be bad at setting boundaries and I can say no now. We applaud you because that's such a powerful skill. Um, yeah. Kelly says self-confidence. I used to not have self-confidence, but now you do. You used to have low self-confidence and now you've changed. You've grown. Tammy, I used to be afraid of the computer, setting boundaries and talking to people. Yeah. And you're not anymore. Well done. We can practice saying I used to be and we can start saying I used to be well before we've totally mastered whatever it is that we're leaving behind. I give you permission to start acting as if I used to be a person who binged on graham crackers. You guys, I've been confessing this for a while, but I used to be a person who binged on graham crackers before I went to bed, but I'm not anymore because I understand that that's not the best food for my body before I go to bed at night. I used to be that person, but now I'm making changes. I'm making efforts. Carol says this, I used to be inconsiderate about being on time. 
<laughs> but, but I said, being on time was honorable, so I'm on time now. Yeah, you wanted to be a person of honor. You used to be. Missy, I used to avoid any and all confrontation, which is setting boundaries. Yeah, setting boundaries causes confrontation, right? I used to be bad at setting boundaries. Whatever we used to be, just using those powerful words says, I left it behind. I'm moving on. <laughs> oh, Carol wants a graham cracker now. Carol, I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> Although graham crackers are delicious. <laughs> I love that. And I do love graham crackers. But, you know, I used to be a person who ate too many of them in one sitting. And now I understand I can have a few and move on. And this is working. And I'm allowing myself to move past that because of the words I use. Absolutely. I used to be. There's another phrase I want to introduce you to. And this one I was reminded of as I was working with one of my coaching clients. Because um, actually it's two coaching clients this week that we talked about this concept of until now. Until now, I haven't had good boundaries. Until now, I've had a pattern of, how many of you have patterns? Patterns of things in your life that you wish were different, that you want to change. You've, you've, you've become aware of them through the process of reflection and exposing yourself to teaching like this. You've seen, oh my word, I have a pattern. I have a pattern of picking terrible boyfriends. Or I have a pattern of not finishing what I start. Whatever that pattern is. But how do, how do we change our language when we're wanting that to be different? When we want to interrupt that pattern, the, the wrong thing to do is to keep saying, I always, I always, blah, blah, blah. I always, or how about this? I never, I always, and I never are two phrases that actually do not feed life. They do not feed life. Um, in particular, when, I mean, I always brush my teeth. That's a great thing. So I'm not talking about that. But the, the phrase, I always fall off the wagon at Thanksgiving, right? I always get angry in a meeting at work and I say things to that person that I regret later. I always, I can't stop myself. I always do it. That language is not speaking life and change and growth into your situation. That language that says, I always put my foot in my mouth. I never do it right. Those kinds of phrases speak death to our growth. When something's not alive, it's not growing. It's not changing. You are alive. You are growing. You are changing. And so you don't need to use words that represent always and never as if you can't make better choice, as if you can't get past it, as if you don't have the ability because you do. So you can say until now, I've lost my temper in staff meetings, but I'm going to move forward differently. Until now, I've been unable to set boundaries, right? So what changes for you when you change just a couple of phrases 
about how you describe yourself to yourself or maybe to others. What changes when you start saying until now? I'll tell you what changes. Your brain hears you and it says, oh, we don't do that anymore. I thought I thought we always did that. No, until now we've done that. Sure, I'm going to respect the now. I've acknowledged what used to happen, but now moving forward, we're going to do that differently. Until now, I have not been able to get a good night's sleep. Until now. But starting tonight, I am going to be open to the possibility that I will. Until you're open to the possibility that something good's going to happen, it's unlikely that you'll notice it if it does. Shannon was actually good at math. But because I wasn't open to the idea that I was good at math, right? Didn't matter if I was good or not. I said I was bad at the end. So as you're going through this week, I want you to really pay attention to how you're viewing your growth and how you're describing it. And are, are your words actually reflecting what you've done? Carol says, I know we can change. I've learned that. And Karen Ann Kelly says this, a change is hard. Well, that may or may not be the case. Change is not always hard. It can be, but it's not always. Until now, change has been hard for me. But because I know some principles that allow me to thrive and change, it's easier moving forward. I know the, the concept of respect the now, that if I acknowledge what the reality is right now, it allows me to move forward from it. Until now, I thought change was hard. Until now, I assumed it had to be hard. If you expect it to be hard, it will be. We're hardly ever pleasantly surprised. Once in a blue moon, you say, oh, you know what? I thought that was gonna be really difficult. It was a piece of cake. If it was something that involved growth or improvement or adding value to somebody, usually not a piece of cake. Kelly, I'm not picking on you. Thank you. She's rephrasing it. Changing your mindset is hard. You know what? It requires intention and it requires work. Yeah, it is not easy. It is not easy, but it's doable and it's worthwhile. It's amazing what we're willing to do. And we talked about that last week. It's amazing what we're willing to do that's hard when we know why we're doing it, right? When we know the reason we're doing it, it isn't as hard. Changing how we talk about ourselves, how we how we describe our current or our past mindsets, our past limiting beliefs, if you will, that I'm, I'm bad at math. What a limiting belief that was. I could never be a millionaire. That's a limiting belief too. I'm bad at math. I could never be a millionaire. I could never have my dream job. I'll never be able to be as, as good as so-and-so at whatever it is you're pursuing. All of those things, limiting beliefs. But when we say that, what we do is we create, remember where our focus goes, our energy flows, and we feed the thing that we actually don't want because we're saying, I never, I can't, I won't. How about this? Until now, I haven't been a world-class skier. 
Um, but moving forward, I know what I need to do to get to the next level. Whatever that thing is, you changing the way you talk about it is going to change the way you think about it because the power of life is in our words. What we say matters. What we say matters. It requires intention. It requires being in tune with the areas that maybe we're talking bad about ourselves. Some of us think saying negative things about ourselves makes it uh, makes us humble, but it doesn't. It doesn't make us humble. It doesn't make us humble. It keeps us stuck and small. When we start saying things like, until now, I've had this pattern, but it's interrupted. And this is why. And this is how I'm growing. This is how I'm moving forward. Gives us permission to get out of those old mindsets, Kelly, out of those old habits. It's a beautiful thing. And I encourage you, I encourage you to think about, listen to yourself when you say, I can't, I never, I always, you know what, I just can't, I've tried it, I can't. Well, if you want to, you can, and your first step is to say, you know, until now, I thought that I would never be able to do it, but I, I think I can learn. Um, oh, yeah, and, and Carol, I love this example. I did not realize how disrespectful it was to others for me to always be late, and now I am intentional about being on time and even being early. Respect the now. Our Mastermind Leadership classes on Saturdays have really helped me in so many ways. Carol, I love that you are getting so much value from those classes. I love when you share with us the lessons you're learning because that's how growth happens. We learn something, we apply it, and then we identify that's where I learned it and that's how. Um, and I'm delighted. I'm delighted. It feeds my soul. I, I would have never expected that I could be an influence to other people the way I am, because I thought that the only thing I was good for was entertaining people and talking and chatting. I didn't, I didn't give myself permission to actually have influence and impact. And so then when I was, you know, probably in my mid twenties, I started realizing, whoa, I, I used to, I used to think that everybody else was supposed to be the ones influencing. And now I know I'm supposed to be the one influencing. And ever since then, I've tried to live that and be an example of it, not just to my kids, but to the people that I worked with in, in the postal service for 31 years. And for the people that I, I worked with when my husband and I pastored a church and, and when I'm, part of the worship team at my church now and in my women's groups, because you know what? I used to be misguided. Now I understand that those same principles that I've used to be able to grow and change, I can share those with other people and you can grow and change. Whatever it is that you're doing, the change that you're trying to make happen in the world, it is going to be amplified, magnified, accelerated when you start using language that aligns with where you're really going and doesn't keep you stuck in your old habits, in the old things, the old ways that you used to think. 
Uh, Kelly says that I've always been influential. Kelly, I appreciate that. And Kelly would would be able to speak to this because Kelly's my aunt. So thank you. Um, and I share that with you because I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her. I love her very much. Uh, Kelly, I love you. But also, um, I'm proud. I'm proud that you come on Sunday Night Live and contribute and allow me to speak into your life and, and give the words I say uh, thought and you, you incorporate them. It's an honor. It's an honor. And I'm honored to share with all of you. So it's time for us to go. It's, it's a little after 7.30 here in Eastern time. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to some of my journey of how I'm aligning my language with the reality of the growth that I see in my life, but also the growth that I want to see. And you can align your language to reflect the growth that you have already had. I used to, but now, and the intent that you have to do better moving forward until now, I filled in the blank. All right, Alicia, thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody, for, for hanging out, for your comments, for leaning in. I love it. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Take care. Bye.